Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini, presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, Matthew Penny is in the building, and we have an important public service announcement for everyone. Max Struess is loose, folks. He's <laughs> flying around Las Vegas, flying off of screens, making threes. Everything is happening right now in the Las Vegas Summer League. Matt Penny is here. We're going to break down what we've seen so far look like. I'm in Australia. Like, this is the first time I haven't been at Summer League in probably like seven years, six years. Uh, Penny is certainly not in Las Vegas. He's in Massachusetts. And we haven't seen every game. Like, we haven't paid attention to every single thing that's happening. If we're going to be honest, like, and this says more about the amount of Castle that I've watched than about uh, Summer League. I've probably watched more episodes of Castle in the last week than I have Summer League games, if only because Castle's like the best TV show to play video games to. It's just so dumb and silly, and it has the same beats every episode, but I digress. Penny is here. We're going to talk a little bit about the Las Vegas summer league matt penny how you doing uh you you called this at the right time because i think your normal nba crew is all out at at vegas and i have watched and i kind of feel like it's a little bit of of our watching these rookies it's it's like driver's ed and they have like their learner's permits we're making sure like before they get on the real road that they know what they're doing and then when the season starts we'll we'll let them run a little bit we'll, we'll circle back but for now my brain is is sort of stuffed and and ready to unload the clip of what i've seen and and kind of my takeaways because oh boy the the hot takes on the twitter machine are are coming out fast and furious if you will so uh, it changes by the day it changes by the game like i I wrote up a bunch of stuff and then the background i watched two games waiting to kind of start this and you kind of throw out your stuff out the window because so much uh really just shifts between what we're doing here so you, you got to have some patience patience with us but I, I think this will be a nice journey for us to go on and, and see what we've seen up to now so like what is your general experience with summer league so like i like i said this is probably the first time that i haven't been to las vegas for summer league in like seven years at this point right so i i am a seasoned summer league veteran in terms <laughs> of the overreaction machine that happens every year Every single time that, you know, a a number one overall pick makes a three or a second round pick goes for like 20 and 10 or something like that. What is your general experience with Summer League? Well, my way back experience is back in the day, pre-Democratic National Convention happening in Boston, there's actually the Summer League was here. It was at UMass Boston. So I saw LeBron James's first games. I left thinking the Celtics had hit gold with Kedrick Brown and Marcus Banks. They were the stars of the future that we drafted. Uh, I left thinking that Lenny Cook was going to be a contributing member to the team as well. So it's deep. It's dated. I'd say this summer league and probably last year, I started watching more closely because you've been kind enough to bring me along for this draft stuff. And I kind of want to see where where our takes kind of went wrong, what went right, what translated, what didn't. And this year, it's it's magnified even more because I feel like we've done more than ever. And and that's why I think my emotions have have such a, a wide range right now based on what's out there. And It's so much as patience, right? It's like uh, I've dug back into some guys in the last couple weeks just to use as a baseline. Like Trey Young stunk in Summer League. He missed his first 10 shots. His label is too small to be productive. He has a signature shoe with Adidas and signed for a max contract. LeBron's last game in the Boston Summer League was 2 for 14. Steph Curry was overshadowed by Anthony Morrow. Like, we can... 
we all need to pretend this podcast is kind of like a, a relaxation app and, and take a deep breath and close our eyes. And, and not every game and jump shot is live or die and boomer bust. Yeah, totally agree. I think that that is the number one thing here. And number two, again, as someone who has been out there quite a bit, it's important to keep in mind that this is not real basketball, uh, first and foremost, <laughs> yeah. by NBA standards. We, we could all say that about the NBA, uh, the bubble season happened too, but I'm glad you said that as, as prefacing this conversation too. And second, like, you just don't know. Look, we're out, they're out in Las Vegas right now, and I know that we're in the middle of a pandemic, but like in past years, for instance, like it's not uncommon for dudes to like go into those games somewhat hungover. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, especially if you're on like a deal already, you're not fighting for like your basketball life. It's not uncommon for the, uh, the level of play and the level of seriousness that players take in these games to not necessarily be as drastically high as what you see even in the regular season, let alone in the playoffs. So just, I don't know what it's like out there right now because of the pandemic. Although I will say I've talked to some agents that were out in Vegas for, uh, USA basketball pre-draft and everything. And they were like, Oh, this is a, this is a, this is a lawless West of (laughs) lawless. It seems like it's a little better. Even if you're watching on TV, it seems like most people are a mask anyway. Yeah. I think that like at the gym, there are enough stringent codes to where like you have to uh, be accountable for one another. I am not certain that it's that way out in the wild in Las Vegas on the strip. <laughs> no, you're you're uh, you're on your own out there. It, yeah. It's a wild experience anyway. Throwing a pandemic and a mask mandate, and uh, I'm sure it's it's only intensified from there. We'll put it that way. And, yeah. and look, the, what the Vegas thing too. The one thing I will say is kind of like a counter. Guys do play on the road at, at city hotspots and, and the big markets, and, and they roll out and can still score or, or be lackadaisical the next day. It, it's part of the, the rookie adjustment or year two adjustment is you got to play day games after night games. You want to go have fun? That's fine. you got to answer the bell and be able to play team defense the next morning or afternoon, I guess, for them. Yeah, I think that the thing is, though, that teams don't really care about these games uh, so much as like, oh, my God, this guy was out. We have to like suspend him and like get real angry with him and like yell at him for six hours uh, for being out the night before. They're be like, well, it's summer league. Who cares? Go have fun. But, guys. but, but, but <laughs> I don't know how, how loose it is. Teams still want to win. It, for me, I, I watch and, and obviously you watch the score and you follow along in the substitution patterns. It's still about development and, and trying yeah. rotations and seeing what rookies work well together. And then I sort of look up the end and say, oh, wow, like uh, I didn't realize that Orlando was down, just down 10 and lost. And now Jalen Suggs is sulking a line because he's a sore loser in a good sense. Like he hates losing, but I'm like, all right, man, summer league. Like they're, they're trying out three guard lineups. They're trying to figure out how to use right. Franz Wagner. There's, there's a bunch of different things going on here. Oh, some guys are totally like that. Like some guy, like Davion Mitchell right now is fucking competing his ass off. Like he's in the gym right now, uh, working out at impact. Putting I his, think I saw yeah, pu- putting his head through a cement wall to like pregame. Like that's his, that's his type of stuff. Right. So it, look, there are guys that take it seriously. I just think there are guys that are out there in Vegas to have a good time. So it's, it's hit or miss for sure. Uh, okay. So, the first person I do want to talk about is Max Struess, just because people, long-time <laughs> listeners to. of this podcast know that I, I am the foremost Max Struess fan and have been 
since he played at DePaul. Uh, that first few, that first set of games where he was at DePaul and just came in out of he was D two or D three. I can't he, remember. He, he he was he was at Lewis, and and the tie yeah. that binds us together here is my coworker Adam Demong recruited him at Lewis. So I followed the the true story as well because of of that common connection. I love that. So uh, I have I have been an enormous Max Struess fan, and we are at the point now where I, I'm like pretty in on Max Struess being an NBA player. Uh, you, you talk to people around the league, and you talk to uh, the way that he looked in the G League. You talk to people about the way he's looked in Miami and now in summer league. I, look, I'm not saying that he's going to be like the sixth man for the Miami Heat this year or anything. I'm a believer at this point in him being a rotation player. I'm just going to say that. And then he dropped 32 today. He had a three to win the game where he just got the ball after winning the uh, center court tip. After yeah, winning, winning, winning is a relative term because it was kind of stolen, if you will. A little bit. I don't care. It's, it, this, is, this is so grassroots basketball, by the way. Summer oh, it basketball. is. Oh, it's double overtime? Yeah, it's sudden death. <laughs> we're yeah. still in the NBA. Sudden death. I couldn't love it more because that's what we do, too. After double overtime, it's like, look, we're putting 10 minutes on the clock, one point, and it's over. And he did. They go 1-4 flat, hits a bomb. He what struts. Does the strut strut, I guess, talks his noise, and they win. It's a walk-off. The true strut. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm going on the fly here. Uh, no, he, he, we love we love Max Struess here. This is this is the uh, preeminent Max Struess podcast, I would say, and has been for like four years now. Uh, we're all in on Max Struess. We are uh, very much happy to see him succeed in the NBA Summer League, where he is the Clay Thompson of Las Vegas every <laughs> every Summer League. It's just the best. So yeah, somebody has to fill the role, and he, he did today. It wasn't it wasn't a game, actually, that I was I was planning on watching, and, and kind of like the timing of it's funky, because there's games on at like 5 and 6, so I'll get home, and yeah. like, oh yeah, it's a Summer League game on, and you kind of catch up, and there's another one on another channel, so I, I kept, I stayed with that before switching over, because it's a big comeback, and then all of a sudden, he, he plays hero ball, successfully. Yeah. Every possession with Max Struess is hero ball. <laughs> it's just, it rules. I love it so much. Um, okay. The way that this podcast is going to work, we're going to break it up into three parts. We're going to do rookies and like the high end rookies that look great. We're going to do guys that are too good for summer league, uh, such as your veterans, your second year players that are just like, oh, yeah, they don't need to play any more games. Like, it'll be a waste of their time to play more games here. And then finally, some pleasant surprises, guys that uh, maybe we didn't expect to do as well as they have, and they look amazing. And it's super exciting to see that. So let's start with the rookies. We got the Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green show last night, and Jalen Green's team won. Nobody really cares about who wins at Summer League, but Jalen Green's team won. They won by 20. And it was impressive, I think, just across the board. Uh, We had all of Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Alperin Shangun playing substantial roles in that game and playing exceptionally well. I thought all three of them looked just really, really good, point blank. Totally, Josh. I'd throw Josh Christopher in that mix too. And I would too. He's yep. he, he's been all over the place, but I think we'd be remiss to not add him to that conversation. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And and the thing that let's start with Cade. I mean, Cade was a bit inefficient. I, I think that the and part of this is going to be a conversation about Killian Hayes and where the mm-hmm. Killian Hayes thing seems to be going. Um, 
the Pistons need to just give Cade the ball. Like that's where we're at at this point. Um, it's been two summer league games. It has been two games that do not matter. <laughs> and we need a change. And we need a change. Like we need, we need to get serious here. Uh, we need to just, just let's see what it looks like. I've got like a game left of summer league in the regular season. Just, just give us, give us Cade like as the guy once. That's all I'm asking. Give, Killian still needs Killian needs way more development time than what Cade does clearly, but I just want to see it. Like I just want Cade to get the ball, bring it up every time, run the offense. Because when he did that, God, how many open shots did Detroit miss that Cade created oh, yeah. for them last it was, night? It was we've seen that movie a little bit. Yeah, and, and like they have enough shooting to wear in the regular season. I think it's going to be fine. Like I, I don't think that it's going to be anything resembling what we saw at oklahoma city or oklahoma state i'm sorry but like man i mean he had i think it was like two assists in that game he probably should have had eight like and like he probably created like 12 shots for his teammates and and a bunch of hockey assists too like the pass before the pass and he, he does that stuff that don't doesn't necessarily show up in the box for every play and just sort of this like offensive connector. I, I didn't like the pairing with Killian Hayes, especially the first game. Uh, it can work. I, I'm not completely running off yet, but Killian has to be less dribble dominant and, and yeah. just get to his move quicker. And, and maybe part of it for us and, and me especially is I'm just so accustomed after the year at Oklahoma State that somehow, some way, Kate is influencing every play on the offense. And that first game, there was just way too many where he sat in the corner and watched. And I think because of that, the Cade takes the first game were hot and heavy. He he hit a couple threes, and it seemed like he may have 30. Then he cools down, a couple bad turnovers, he dribbled it high, lost the ball, lacked some touch on floaters, uh, maybe it's a bust, what a first game. That was number one. And meanwhile, down the street, Jalen Green has, what, the 23, the first, 23 and 5 in his debut, 9 for 18 from the field. Yeah. And then they match up. And I thought one of the cool things was they matched up. Like, they guard each other. It yep. wasn't this is Cade versus Jalen. They were squaring up back and forth, and it was hyped up to start, and it was slow, and then Cade hit a three when Jalen Green gets caught in a screen and goes under, and you could tell that, that Cade had heard, and, and it was influenced his game and heard how good Jalen had been, and he took it personally once he got going, had a hard drive and finished, driving dish for a score, flexed to the crowd. I mean, my, my kind of hold-ups with Kate a little bit, as positive I think it was, I didn't think he played great, but the numbers were still yeah. good enough. You can't lose by 20. He's going to be mostly this hang-dribble, hesitation, pull-back jumper guy rather than that bursty lead guard yeah. coming off of ball screens, and we have to be okay with that. If he's the conductor of the offense, it's not always going to be highlights like you said, and oftentimes it's a smart, yep. sound decision that may not pop. No, I think that's totally right. And like people were comparing him to Chris Middleton um, pre-draft and he's just like, I think a drastically better prospect than Chris Middleton was. He's going to have to keep getting better to reach where Middleton has reached, obviously, but like where they were when they were younger, it's just not even comparable. Um, Right. But I understand why that name comes up because Middleton does have a bit of that, like in terms of just like a bit of a boring metronomic player. Right, uh, a yeah, guy that putting it. makes the right decision, not necessarily the flashy decision. So, look, I, I see no reason to be worried about Cade Cunningham. He didn't get to the foul line in that game against Houston. 
I would like to see him put a little bit more pressure on the rim. Uh, part of that is, again, look, nobody thinks Killian Hayes can shoot. Nobody thinks Seiku Dumbuya can shoot. Nobody thinks Tyler Cook can shoot, right? And, and like even someone like Luca Garza, um, like Luca Garza, I think can shoot, but he doesn't get defended like that right now in the NBA. Um, like he doesn't get defended as like a true pick and pop threat, uh, even in summer league games. And then like nobody thinks Servetus is good at basketball. So like, <laughs> Jesus, I mean, stray shots, but I'm sorry. I, uh, yeah, there, 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 there are some ricochets. There's some stray ones, but you're right. And, and he gets, he got in the lane just a couple times and, and one time, like, KJ Martin ate his lunch. Just it was a jump ball right. like at the rim. He had an offensive foul, kind of doing like the the drifting, floating Cade thing that Oklahoma State they blow the whistle and he just never wanted to get in foul trouble. And it's like, oh, blocker charge, blocker charge, block. Okay, he's still on the floor. Right. Luckily, in summer league, you get ten fouls. So if you foul out of this, like you get some some bigger issues and bigger problems. Uh, the court was a little bit more spaced. Maybe I oversold how spaced it would be for him. Uh, without that necessarily like first explosive first step maybe that improves when you're playing in the nba with like you said more shot spacers out there yeah but i, w- I was still encouraged I-, I i watched late last night and i, I walked away and-, and thought he still played well and there's a lot of room to grow and they're playing 40 minute games he still had like you said 20 points seven rebounds couple assists yeah, like, I mean, he's going to be playing with Kelly Olenek, Jeremy Grant, uh, Isaiah Stewart. Like, I, I don't know what's going on with Isaiah Stewart, like why he isn't playing in summer league. Um, I, I just haven't been paying attention enough, essentially, to know that. Uh, like, those guys, I think, all have, like, some sort of gravity in, in a way to where they're going to just create more space for Cade than Sekou Dumbuya and Tyler Cook and like Servetus and Jamarco Pickett and guys like that. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm not worried about that. Let's talk about Jalen green. Uh, everything that we thought is a scorer. The, I, I'm worried about everything else. Still. Uh, he's shown some flashes as a passer, but like for instance, Detroit last night kind of threw two at the ball at times. And I thought that he struggled a little bit with like how to react to that pressure from mm. high level defenders but like that that'll come that, that's a thing that comes with time and with experience that's not a thing that i'm worried about long term uh just a ridiculous score putting pressure on the basket um yeah he's like i said pre-draft the surest bet to average 20 points uh in the nba that i've evaluated it's unbelievable how efficient he's become if you watch this whole thing. If you watched him from grassroots to USA Basketball, he has such a better pace around him. And yep. he doesn't go a million miles per hour. He had a step back that first game on the left elbow with balance. And it, it looks so natural. And then at the end of the quarter, he has an ISO call for him. And he gets his own bucket. And, and that's why there's hype about him. Because you need that at the end of the game and the shot clock in the playoffs to get two points and he can do it for you in that second game a little slow to start then he hits a contested three in a tight window as doris burke put it and then he scores on a drive the next play he gets going in such a hurry and it's it's so effortless where i thought Cade was working a lot and sometimes like overworking yep. for buckets and some guys need to do 100 moves and pumps and spins you look twice and, and jenna green has 15 points that's just the way he is yeah, that's a really, really good way to put it. It does look effortless with Jalen Green, especially on this level. Whereas with Cade, it is a constant battle a little bit to where he has to work to get to his spot because he doesn't have that athleticism. Like with Jalen, right. 
Jalen, like half half speed Jalen is full speed Cade uh, in terms of first step, right? Uh, if anything, it's Jalen gearing back. And that's something that I noticed in the G League that he really, really slowed down like midway through that G League month in the bubble. He started to get that experience and it really improved. Uh, yeah, I, I think he is every bit the scorer we thought. Has Alper and Shangun turned you yet, Matt Penny? I'm, Come on. I, I'm, I'm smiling. And if I had dug deeper and knew that he whispered sweet nothings to the basketball before he took free throws, I think I would have ranked him a little bit higher. Because yeah. he, he, is, he, is such a, he is such a basketball character. Do you see his pregame routine? No, he does. No. He has like a split at center court. And he, that, he's like not speaking much English. He's just running around out there. They call him Alpi. He was better than I thought he would be, straight up. He scored out ISOs. He hit deep threes. He dropped off a couple assists. Still an angles guy. And I thought he was exposed some defensively on switches. And he'll get his blocks because of how well he reacts and places himself off the floor. And we were texting, and you said the explosion's there. It's just not necessarily the length, so that's yep. why. But he had four four blocks each game. The jumps aren't astronomical, but the, the timing is there. And the same with yep. Alley Oops. And he's fine as a as a rotating help defender on traps. It's just a different story on flat-out switches. I also liked how he's paired next to K.J. Martin a lot, who's more of that yep. switching athletic guy. And uh, this, uh, I got to throw a little hater aid out there because you know it's just in my nature. And I'm not trying to be a super hater because he's been great. But let's, if that's a takeaway, like I've been wrong so far, he's been great. He was guarding Balsa, Koprivka, Luka Garza, and Seiko Dombia. Those are the guys that he dominated in the Turkish Super League, right? Like that, like that's yeah. kind of like the level of competition. So I wasn't surprised for that just because that's the level and caliber of player. And that's not a shot at those guys. But it's those guys that are overseas that he's been beating up at as a 19-year-old. I have to see it against the actual NBA. Summer League isn't real life, but for sure a promising start to the NBA experience with uh, Alpi. For me, it's the way that he's been clearly able to process the game at higher speed. Because Summer League is a higher speed game than the Turkish League, right? Oh, yeah. Just in terms of the athleticism. That processing ability hasn't changed, really. He also hit a fucking three from the logo, which, like... <laughs> it was deep. I was, like, as, like, with every basket, I was like, oh, I'm going to hear about that one, that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> there was one where he jumped up, and I'm like, where are you going, idiot? And he just, like, dropped it off for an assist. I'm like, going to hear about that one. I was, I was keeping a mental tally in my head. Well, the funniest, the craziest one was the one that got called back. It was like a hockey assist. He saw Jalen Green like cutting behind him, kind of, and threw the nutmeg pass. And Jalen had no idea this pass was coming, but like clearly just has that reactive ability to where he's like, oh shit, like I can grab this ball, but he hadn't reestablished himself back in play. So he kicks it out for a corner three, and then the corner three goes in, but they call it off. I mean, like, you can just see that Shingun's gears, like, that's a special dude in terms of the way yeah. he thinks about basketball and the way that he sees angles and understands the way that defenders are playing him uh, and just the creativity he has as well. I think he's going to be really good. Like, look, I had him as a top 10 guy in the class. Like, I, I, I get that I'm high on him. I'm not quite as high as John Hollinger, but I'm pretty darn close. Um, yeah, Albert well, I don't Shingun. know. Hollinger had him, like, fourth or something, like, wild. Yeah, John. John is 
John's I literally tweeted him yesterday that he's like carrying his nuts around the Thompson Mac Center in a wheelbarrow <laughs> like Randy yeah. Marsh. Well, yeah, it's, like, it's it's an early victory lap. That's all. It's yeah, it, the stuff's there. Like when he he caught that one at the elbow and it, the floor kind of cleared out and his ice, so he faced up and went and dunked. I said I, as the season progressed overseas, he was doing that more. Yep. And I remember watching a few clips of him like faking dribble handoffs and going between his legs and then dunking in the lane. I said, all right, well maybe maybe he's starting to put all the pieces together but when he did that and a few passes a few threes it's 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 kind of a different prospect but it's still strange for me because he doesn't labor getting up and down the court but he's not really beating you up and down the court but then when he gets there he, he's got a whole bag of tricks of he's going to slice and dice you yeah no though he's a real actual like playmaker with the ball in his hands like he can do shit with the ball he's not just like some pick and roll big who finishes like he's the, the there is a lot of Domana Sabonis stuff there. Like he's going to be really good offensively. I'm I am in no way concerned about him offensively. You wanted to give a couple quick words on Christopher though. Um, uh, he's been I, good. I he still can't shoot, yeah. but like he's been really really effective as a passer, as a uh, ball handler and creator, and as a defender. He's going to have to shoot at some point, but like he looks really good right now. He looks really really good. He did more than I thought he would, frankly. I mean, and he came out there and he looked like the Mayfair High School, Josh Christopher. The tape at Arizona State, the first game or two, I mean, and we had a mock draft. We had him like 20th. That felt appropriate. Like, he was good. Yep. And then throughout the year, like, he didn't. I mean, my biggest takeaway on watching some of the film was, oh, wow, he changed his shoes at halftime. And it, it just it wasn't there where here's this scorer like Cam Thomas who's scoring 20 a game. that That's plug and play. Fine. With Josh Christopher, I, I just didn't know, and he's really played up being a good teammate, and they mic'd him up. He was very vocal. He was 5 for 15 from the field, but had 15 points and 7 assists the second game. Like That's a crazy amount of assists for Josh Christopher, so it, it's a really good young core, and it, it's, it's funny because of how bad the Rockets' regular season was last year, and now their their fan base is going nuts because of how well they played these these two summer league games with their young core of, of guys and Garuba not even playing yet. Yeah, no, and it looks like Garuba is going to come over, which is cool too. It looks like uh, Rayal had a thing yesterday where they said they released him, so the buyout must have gotten handled and everything. Okay, uh, other rookies. So we've got Jalen Suggs, who we're just going to take a victory lap on. Like, let's just be real. We are. We are. Yeah. yeah he, he showed us everything. I mean, he scored. He's passed. He dove for 50-50 balls. Pulled up from three. Had nine rebounds that first game. Took over when it mattered. I, I liked him better on the ball. I didn't like it. Sort of arcade Agreed. argument. I, I didn't like it when Cole Anthony started the offense, though Cole did move it better than I thought he would. The world didn't get to see more of this scoring grassroots version of, of Suggs that I have and a lot of people did pre-Gonzaga. And to see him have 20 points consistently and, and kind of be this really alpha now and asserting himself, I wasn't surprised. And it was so Jalen Suggs, the first game, 30 seconds left. It's 83-83. He's a defender on a two-on break and, like, blocks a shot and breaks it up. They go to overtime. Yeah. So he's going to impact winning so much and takes it personally when they lose. And he was, like, a free safety on defense, breaking up plays. He really was everywhere. I felt good about having him second after that first game. They just lost, but uh, it was a similar box score, very balanced across the board. Yeah, he got to play. I, I watched a little bit of this game, kind of as we've been podcasting, and um, you know, before we started here, and you know, it 
has been happening while we've been recording. Uh, he played a little bit more on ball in this game and definitely distributed a little bit more, which was interesting. Like he's he's gotten to show like in these couple of games now, kind of the full repertoire of who he is. He had a ridiculous putback dunk in this game, oh, yeah. just right on Lamar Stevens's back. Uh, it was absurd, but yeah, really good. Uh, Jalen Suggs, hot take, really good at basketball, really competitive. Hot, hot, hot take, hot take. Put a few bucks down for rookie of the year. Ooh, I like that. I'm, I'm not quite there, but I like it. I'm there. I, not, I, look, look, who's who? Who else are they adding that are going to get shots? Like, oh, really? he's definitely like, getting num- He's he's putting Jonathan up numbers. Isaac, like, I think this this could be as much as I, I preface by saying don't overreact. This would kind of be like the Jalen Suggs show. Like you see yep. in in February too. I don't know how much is going to change. The numbers won't be as crazy. The usage won't be as high. But he's going to have as much of an opportunity to replicate this. Yeah, eh, I mean, like Franz Wagner was okay. Uh, nothing. I, I I don't have like this isn't the environment for Franz Wagner to succeed. It's, it's so like, perfect way I, to put it. I almost don't care what he does in this because yeah. it's again like not real basketball. No, I, I had uh, a media person uh, that I respect a lot text me three minutes into the game, three minutes into his first game. Penny, I love you. Wagner's an all-time bust. I said, it has been three <laughs> minutes. Three minutes. I was looking at it. Seven minutes left. I said, wait, they're playing 12-minute quarters? No, it's 10. Three minutes. I'm not going to be a total apologist for him, but the summer league isn't for him. At, at Michigan, a lot was system-based in the half court, and he can be that maestro there with, with freedom to do it, but... When the games attract me and go a million miles per hour, it's not his strengths aren't going to show through. I, I like some of his passes. Jumper has to be better. He was actually much better in the game that, that just happened here. Had a few backdoor cuts for dunks, and he hit a few better passes. The shot has to improve, but I'm not I'm not jumping ship on a guy when th- this just isn't his style of play. Yeah, and like if anything, like I feel like I was a little bit more down on Franz um, throughout the pre-draft process. Like I I. I had him at like 14 or 15 on my board, I think, versus the consensus top 10 that he seemed right. to be. Um, I get it. I think he's going to be a good basketball player, but like, I don't really care what this looks like for him. And it's the same with the team they just played, the Cavs. Like, I don't really care what summer league this year looks like for Evan Mobley. Uh, there is, he has no chance of being efficient right now because he's just too thin. Like, it's, that doesn't it's not a comment on who he's going to be long term as an nba player and he's shown some real flashes as a passer like totally as much as we saw late in the year particularly with usc he's shown some very ridiculous flashes as a passer uh so far in summer league and that's the kind of stuff that i care to see i don't really care that he shoots five for 15 from the field right now because he's just so skinny that it's just not gonna not gonna be a uh, great time for him in summer league uh-huh. Had his welcome to the NBA moment early. The first game, too, he caught and turned. I'm going to dunk this. And KJ Martin's like, no, you are not, and and punched it away. And he did show some nice things and stretches. Uh, I was worried about the turnovers in the post or the first game when Josh Christopher kind of switched on to him. Uh, He had a dunk on Shangun in the paint. Has really nice explosion with his feet set. And this last game they happened, they ran a lot more of the offense through him, and the commentator said they're using him as like a point center of sorts with – Dribble handoffs and side pick and rolls. I mean, defensively, he's already much closer there, especially with Lattery. He re- recovers when teammates are beat to protect the rim. He, he'd saved a, a couple plays or two. It's just, he, it's going to take time. It, it's weight. He had a quick 10 points here. It's much more physical, but he seemed at ease 
game two and kind of get the game one jitters out and just have to be careful not to really like box score scout either because there were stretches he looked like he more than belonged and looked like he oh, could totally. be a warranted number whatever top three pick in the draft so big stake long to develop i'm not i'm not really worried about what he's doing right now or not oh, some, right now some of the flashes athletically are ridiculous like he, he's just so much more coordinated than 99 percent of the bigs in the nba maybe 95 percent of the bigs in the nba uh it, it's gonna be fine he is playing next to a center right now in fiondu cabangele and i don't think that that has worked super well uh that probably is more of a function of cabangele than of mobley playing the four but wait so pause so are you worried about then the next step during the regular season with him next to a center yeah i am i, I still am okay. um Okay. We'll see how it goes, though. Like, it'll... Fair. It, I think, again, like, I think it's probably more a function of Fiondu Cabangele just not being an NBA player than, mm. like, Evan Mobley being bad or, like, this being a bad fit or anything like that. But my my hesitations about Evan Mobley playing the four have not been changed by what we've seen so far, I would say. No. Has to shoot. A couple of threes look bad. A couple of them okay. Has to shoot. Get your reps in. Okay. Uh, let's take a quick commercial break and we'll be back. All right. The last guy in the top five that we have not talked about is Scotty Barnes. And I think Scotty Barnes has looked pretty good. That, that first game, he had like 18, 10 and five. I think don't know that like he is going to be some crazy scorer still even though he had 18 in that opener but you know what um i still am happy i had scotty barnes at six i would say right uh, uh, he played i think he played the first game or before the rest of the guys and, and he was really good and i was shocked to see he took 18 shots that most he took in a single game last year at florida state was 13 so he's already surpassed that in one game in the nba yeah. and he, he had it going early with no it, it's clear they're telling him like go shoot shoot i mean yeah. putbacks loose balls he made plays in transition he threw a really pretty left hand advance pass up the court and he gets in this groove and you get the full scotty experience of him celebrating dancing looking his hand after baskets it, it felt like he was having fun one for four from three, a couple of bad misses. The one he hit looked okay. And a lot of see the Raptors know what they're doing on Twitter. I still value the guys we had ahead of them. I had ahead of them. But yeah, promising. I, I want to see how it looks next to Pascal Siakam and, and OG and what they have rolling out there. And as a, a side note or as an aside, Malachi Flynn was awesome. I mean, he had 23 points on eight of 13 shooting. Yeah, I don't we're, we're going to get to him. We're going to get to him. That, I don't know if that factored <laughs> into passing on Suggs, maybe, but he looked good enough where, okay, this could be a thing as as a backup behind Van Vliet and Gary Trent. Yeah, Malachi Flynn is really good at basketball, and anyone who followed this podcast last year will know that we were very high on, or at least I was certainly very were, high on yes. Malachi Flynn. Um, yeah, he's going to be really good. Uh, yeah, Scotty, you know, like you said, the joy was there. I'm still skeptical on him being as good of a finisher around the basket as his tools would indicate he should be. Uh, I still don't have any faith really in the three point shot. That does not look any better. I don't think he looks more confident taking them, but right. I don't think it looks better right now. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm, 
I feel good about having Scotty Barnes at six. I think he's a great player. Um, I, I, but I feel like Scotty Barnes at six is still where I should be on this. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I think I had him at seven. I, I'm, I'm confident with with guys we had there, seven or eight. Okay. Uh, next up, where do you want to go? Because uh, there are a few different directions. We've seen quite a bit of Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody at this point. Do we want to maybe go there? Yeah, we can. Uh, Kaminga, he, he looked like a beast for many possessions, and he was just bodying Franz Wagner. And as much as the setting is not for Wagner, it is for Jonathan Kaminga. And he yep. has a few games under his belt because I actually played in that Sacramento summer league for a couple. Yep. And it's open play where he can go like he did in the Ignite in high school and grassroots. And he's going to look impressive there. He can catch and, and go downhill and through his man and, and bully a little bit. Common theme needs to shoot it. Can't be 0 for 4 from 3 every game. I, I might be starting the campaign to play Jonathan Kaminga at the 5. And I mean that as a compliment. He's going to find his way on the floor for Golden State because he has been... I never wavered. I thought he was kind of in that top five conversation for the year. Some people went lower yeah. on him toward toward the end and toward the G League, but I was uh, enthused. Yeah, we, we both ended up with him at five, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you said, this is his environment. Like This is a great spot for him to be successful because he can use that powerful athleticism to get to the rim in a way that he might struggle a little bit more against real NBA competition and strength and length and athleticism. Uh, yeah, the jumper needs to improve. That's just kind of where we're at, but he looks like an NBA frame, NBA body. Looks like he's going to be able to at least contribute as a rookie, I would say. For sure. For sure. And, and just to segue into Moses Moody, it balanced nicely as a compliment to Kaminga. The first summer league game here, not Sacramento, he was 6 or 13 for the field, 2 for 5 from 3. Yeah. And from Sacramento and to here, he hits open threes. He uses length well to extend around the basket. Just sort of the player we thought he was as, as a compliment. Yep. Yeah, I know. Exactly who we thought. Moses Moody was, and I'm yawning like as Moses Moody, as we talk about Moses Moody, and Moses might be like another one of those metronomic players who is just who he is, right? I, I don't think it's an accident that in that game against the Magic, which they lost, um, you know, in overtime, if I remember correctly, does that sound right to you? Uh, yes, that was the that was the game that uh, Sugg broke up the thing in the backcourt, and they lost yeah. overtime. Yeah. Yeah, my brain is like a little bit fried at this nope, point. No, you're right. Um, so I thought it was interesting that Moody and Kuminga, when they were on the court together, the Warriors like were clearly the better team in that game. Uh, they looked like they were drastically better. You look at uh, like plus minus, single game plus minus, you know, don't use it all the time, right? But Moses Moody was a plus 19, Jonathan Kuminga was a plus 15. The other three starters for the Warriors, Selim Mawugbe, who I, I frankly do not know who that is. Um, and that's saying a lot because I know who everyone else on the Warriors <laughs> roster is. Everyone else in Summer League. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Justinian Jessup and Gary Payton, uh, they were all negatives in terms of plus minus. And Kaminga and Moody were at least plus 15. So I think that that actually kind of goes to say a lot about how effective these guys um, are on this summer league court, at least. They've played really, really well. They've played well on defense, I think, even Kaminga. Uh, he's still not always available rotationally, but I think he's like 
see, he seems to like maybe have gotten some of the criticism pre-draft of like, hey, I have to get down a defensive stance, and he's doing that more. So that's nice. Um, I, yeah, they've they've just been really good so far. Yeah, Kaminga showed that extra effort, even if it's like a little bit slower. He's still putting that burst into trying to close out and trying to scramble and box out. It, there's more. There's higher, uh, I, I guess, care level than there was at, at stretches during the G League. Let's go to Zaire Williams now, though, because Zaire Williams, I think, has been one of the pleasant surprises. I think you and I both thought that Zaire Williams would probably take some time to sure like figure things out at Summer League even and in the NBA. Zaire Williams has looked like pretty ready to play at this point. Like he's, I don't know if he's going to be like a rotation player this year because he is very skinny and that NBA game is drastically different than this one in terms of the physicality and the length and everything that will be presented to him. But so far, he looks like everything the Memphis Grizzlies could have asked for when drafting him. He shot it well, and the, and the jumper looks better. And the jumpers he have, there are a lot of like comfort shots. He's not really going to the rim and using his his body or, or lack of strength to score. But he hit a couple floaters. And I saw the post game interview after the first game, and the the interviewer said something that he played with more energy. And, and Zaire said the coaches told me to go out there and cause havoc. And it, it seemed like that. It seemed like he was trying to be a little bit more active. He's been very efficient. He hit some jumpers this second game that that just happened. Had a bad turnover down the stretch but certainly a lot better than what we saw at stanford i I don't it's difficult because now he's one of the guys that how do i rethink my evaluation of players where if they don't have a good year and even josh christopher too they look completely different out there and and we can always just say the space of the court the metric of the court but they, they look like different prospects they look like the high school guys we were kind of talking about not the players that played 25 games were kind of questioning like, hey, where do we slot this guy in the first round? Is he first-round pick? Uh, so it's it's something that's kind of twisted my brain around a bit too. Yeah, I ended up way higher on Zaire than what I guess the consensus ended up being. Like, I think I had him like right in the same range as Franz Wagner. So there, there were flashes of that at Stanford, though. Like, the ability to get to his spot. With Josh Christopher, there were flashes, too. I just worried about, like, the overall level of selfishness that he portrayed at Arizona State and how that would work at the next level. That selfishness is gone already from his game, like, very quickly at Summer League. Like, that is that is the biggest mindset change of any player I've seen at Summer League this year is Christopher just being so much more willing to play with his teammates and pass and um, be an effective distributor and playmaker for others. Uh, in the case of Zaire, like, the flashes, I think they were there. At Stanford, you could see them, and he's just simplified his game now in a real way to where, uh, while playing with Desmond Bain, Xavier Tillman, like some of the best guys that you can play with at the summer league level, it's it's a little bit easier for him right now. I think it's a great point, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's he's just this super uber elite complimentary piece, and I was searching for the alpha that maybe he not necessarily is right now can develop into. And it wasn't that all the time at, at Stanford. They needed to be. And I told you, I, I watched that last game against USC, and it was terrible. He was one for eight, had a million turnovers, like his airballing shots. His, his shot looks like completely different here. And he, he also made some comment after the first game, just something you don't think about. He said, it's the first time I heard fans in, since high school. It's like, yeah. what? 
And then you think about it, it's like, well, you're right. You just uh, Most of those games just either didn't have anybody or it's just immediate family and friends. And you hear yep. three or four people yelling. That's different than, I know the Thomas and Mack Center isn't the Staples Center, but it, it still gives you that extra little adrenaline boost when you're out there. Yeah, no, totally. Um, okay, let's let's finish on Davion Mitchell. Davion Mitchell looks like every bit of what we thought Davion Mitchell was uh, coming into the draft. Everyone's favorite summer league player. Is that fair? Producing yeah. on both ends. Just just a pest on defense. Tight handle. Kept his man on skates a lot with those rake back dribbles. Hit the gas when his man freezes. And it just lived up to the nickname of off night. He denies the ball. He jumps for steals. He's one of these guards that secures a turnover that immediately looks for teammates. I know there's a logjam of guards in Sacramento. There's no way he doesn't find time there. I mean, he had 10 points, 9 assists, 0 turnovers, and just drove James Booknight crazy for an entire game. Yeah, no. I will say this, too, with him. Like, the three-level scoring game even looks a little bit better than what we saw at Baylor this year. Uh, He is really finding an effective way to get to his spots in the mid-range and knocking down a pull-up jumper from the mid-range. Guys go under ball screens. He's just pulling from three with total reckless abandon. And, like, he sort of did that at Baylor, but it looks even more confident now. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be impossible to keep him off the court. He is – he look, we bo- I think we both had Davion in the top ten, even while, like, there were concerns about him uh, that people keep, kept bringing up and bringing up. I frankly think that there were not – five more effective basketball players in college last season than Davion Mitchell and that's going to continue to be the case people get hung up on on the age and you're too old and maybe he's at a ceiling he he was a guy we we didn't argue we agreed on that maybe 10 is too high in the grand scheme of things but he's still going to have an effect on the game an effect on winning out there I I didn't think he was going to be one of these older statesmen college guys that get drafted and three years later it was oh what, what a regrettable pick they took him there like that guy's just his intensity just shines through on everything he does. Yep, totally. Okay, let's uh, take a quick commercial break, and then we'll uh, dive into the rest of our little uh, spiel here. Okay, the second category of Summer League players is... The guys who are too good for Summer League. The guys who have just stood out as being like, okay, why are you here? You're definitely just beyond this level. Uh, there are a few players that have already hit my like radar for that. Malachi Flynn is certainly one. Malachi Flynn is too good for this already. <laughs> like, you gotta go. Yeah, he, there there is no reason for Malachi Flynn to play another Summer League game. <laughs> like, he is ridiculous. I, I, I was kind of hoping for, for Malachi and a few of the guys that we, uh, we've we noticed here. Is there going to come a point in time where an assistant coach just gets like a phone call and pulls him off the court like, yeah, man, you got to go. Like, they, they take your stuff, pack up, you got to go. Like a reality show and you get voted off. Like, yeah, you're out of here. <laughs> pack get your shit. Off. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get your back. They're waiting for you. By the way, like as we're talking about this, like Malachi Flynn, oh, we haven't watched any of this game. Um, the Raptors Warriors, at least I don't think you have. Um, he's played ten minutes and is like zero for four from the field. See, but, that's why. That's why I said we have to we have to record without watching. And I have my back to the TV because like another guy that we'll talk about was like two for six or two for ten. That I was like, oh, steal the draft. Yeah, not so much, not so fast. Yeah, no, like 
I kind of don't really care though. Like Malachi Flynn is, you, you can just see the tempo that he plays with is just different than these guys. He he's just so ready to be on the court in such a real way. The, the confidence, the defensive uh, awareness, the uh, experience that he seems to already have playing in the NBA uh, in terms of the uh, reads that he needs to make as the point guard. Yeah, Malachi Flynn is too good for summer league at this point. Too good, too good. Okay, do you have, I, I do don't you have things much to add? I'll give you the Celtics because I know you've watched. Uh, oh no! Uh, you, you know what? Shockingly, like, I, I haven't. I, I know Naismith is Aaron Naismith is too good for summer league because he had thirty. He had like immediately had twenty when I turned the game on. Like he's yeah. he's toying with guys out there. Peyton Pritchard's been way better. Like Peyton Pritchard was legitimately in the Celtics rotation. Like. All year long, yeah, it was no, a the, joke. But like he yeah. was all rookie team honorable mention the first two months of the year. I'm glad he went out there. I like when guys just answer the the call and say, "Hey, I want to play. I want to get better. I want to get reps in." That him and Aaron Naismith shouldn't be there. It's okay. Like I'm glad they are. I'm glad they're they're showing what they're able to do. But don't have to be there. Yeah, Pritchard was the guy particularly for me where I was just like, "Oh yeah, th- this guy is way too good for this level. Just obscenely good for this level." Naismith. Naismith is probably like right at the line in terms of Close. like too good for summer league, but you know maybe could use the experience. Peyton Pritchard, I mean, he's just like toying with dudes out there at this level. Um, absolutely yeah. ridiculous. It, it, it's sort yeah, of like what, when a guy shows up to the gym and you're like, oh, that guy's not very good, and just like roasts everybody for fifty and then walks off. That, that's been the yeah. Peyton Pritchard experience. I agree. Aaron Naismith needs needs more of these reps as kind of this guy because the Celtics need that that punch of offense off the bench that they've searched for the last two years or so, and they've made a couple signings here in, in free agency, but you still need him to, to give you something. Okay. Uh, next up, who, who's up for you? Do you have anyone that really stood out in this regard? Patrick Williams, Chicago Bulls. Yep. The one that stood out for me. Yeah, he had no. 30 points on 10 of 23 shooting, seven rebounds. Shot looks a lot smoother, too. Less of a, a moon ball. And he was cooking guys on a pick and roll. He pulled up a mid range, turned the corner. It might sound a little weird, but he, it was like an NBA player, like playing down a division almost. Like he just looked so much yeah. bigger, physically stronger, and moved differently. And I, I have to shut up. I, I saw a tweet today on Twitter from Chucking Darts that called out his age or the age of most rookies. And he is younger than Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, and Scotty Barnes, which is pretty wild yeah. because if you watched and saw one of those guys do what he just did, you would say he just found, like, the second coming. Like, yeah. this, this guy's unbelievable. So uh, it also kind of gives credence to what we talk about a little bit of, of taking risks on guys early, sort of like the, the Josh Primo thing, too, because if you're younger, get a year in the right developmental system. Year two, if, if Josh Primo comes back looking anything like this, it'll be talked about he was a steal at 12. I know Patrick Williams went way higher than that, but still, you, you kind of see why the, the train of thought is maybe go a little bit younger, take the kind of more raw player that shows flashes, not all there, and hope that you hit on it. Yeah, no, uh, all reasonable. I, look, I think Patrick Williams definitely fits this category of way too good for Summer League. I also think that like it's beneficial for him to play Summer League because totally. – he is still so young and getting all of those ball screen like opportunities and reads that he's getting, they're just going to be invaluable for him moving forward. But he definitely fits this mold. I mean, even in a game where like he struggled to shoot it the first game against new Orleans, where Trey Murphy had like a billion threes or wherever, whatever. Um, he, was, he was great too. Yeah. Like it, it's 
still very clear that he is better than most of the guys out there, and he is just gaining experience getting those ball screen reads right every single time he's on the court. Being the takeover guy and, and making shots and reads and decisions when it matters. That game was close against the Spurs down the stretch and kept going back to him and wanted him to, to be that dominant guy out there. So in, in Chicago, maybe he didn't have as many reps as that. He, he did get some, some good compliments and feedback on the rookie year. And if you continue to expand what he does already, he's he, he'll be talked about maybe in a year or two as, as somebody that's the, one of the better players in that draft, potentially. So uh, the, the next guy for me was Emmanuel Quickly. Uh, he he dropped like over 30 in there. I, I don't know if it was their first game or what it was. Um, I think it might have been. Minus was it was it the Scotty Barnes game? I think it was the Raptors game, right? No, 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 no. It was the second no, game. I, don't, it was, yeah. I think it was the second game. Yeah, but you know, another guy where like it's beneficial for him to get like ball screen reads and everything. But even in the game where he shot 5 of 17 from the field, it was just like the three-point shot wasn't falling. And we know that Emmanuel quickly can shoot. Even the ball screen reads were ridiculous. Like he had eight assists in that game. Um, <clears throat> consistently made the right play every single time down the court. Uh, then the next game he goes out and drops 30. Yeah, it, I mean, Emmanuel quickly, like, look, he, he got his two games in summer league. They'll be beneficial long term. I don't think he needs to be out there again. Right. Did you feel the same way about Obi Toppin? I didn't. I thought that Obi could still use a little bit of work. All right. Well, at the very least for Obi, he seemed so much more confident and believed in his game. And he was free to run wild for steals and dunks and use his physicality to his advantage out of those isolations and transition. And the moves he made were very simple. And sometimes older players, when they get back to summer league or, or year two of the NBA, they try to work on new stuff. And it'll never be effective in actual games. He didn't do that. Yeah. It was one or two dribbles, face-ups, finishes, and even a little bit better on the defensive end, too. Yeah, I, I agree with you that he looks really, really good. Like, I, I don't want to um, minimize that, necessarily. I don't. Obi Toppin looks like an NBA player out there, for sure, in a way that um, midway through last year, like people were worried about, even a little bit, if you yeah. remember. And he yeah. had the great no, playoff people were run. Jumping ship early. Yeah, he had the great playoff run against Atlanta, and you know, so far he looks really good with the Knicks in summer league. Um, I don't know that he would quite fit into like this mold that we're talking about, but he's been really, really good, and I want to like definitely call him out as well because you're definitely right about that. And the uh, the other one I, I kind of had was Desmond Bain, and yep. I, I say that with with kind of a laugh because he wasn't nearly as good game too but the the first game he had 32 points in 29 minutes who's six of eight for three and like Peyton Pritchard just sort of toying with guys like fake setting screens coming back to the ball pulling up from three off the bounce he was blowing by guys in the break then he had this closing ability he had three threes in the last like three minutes of that game he looked a level above what he was playing against out there yeah and you know, uh, that's 100% right. Like, Desmond Bain, like, is just getting on-ball reps at this point. Like, he, he's he's too good for this level uh, at this point. Um, the other guy that I thought looked really good was Jaden McDaniels in the game that they played yeah. against San Antonio. Um, yeah, just was, like, tearing everything up defensively. And on top of it was actually shooting really well look he he could maybe play another game of summer league i think um <laughs> he's pulled off the stage but yeah he, we're getting close to maybe pulling him off the stage it's funny too like the other guy that stood out in that regard for me is like jalen noel like jalen noel is 
And we could say this about Cam Thomas as well, I think, with Brooklyn. Like, just ridiculous scorers. And above this level as a scorer, for sure. As a scorer, yes. Yes. Um, And as, like, a playmaker with ball in hand. But they need so much work on the other stuff that, like, got to be out there. You know what I mean? Those those guys still got to play because they want McDaniels to to take a jump, too. And he, he did more off the dribbles, sort of a playmaker. And... I still have visions of the McDaniels of past. Of, of he was at one time the number one recruit in the country, and he's trying to bring that back into the picture of some of the stuff he's working on out there too. Okay, uh, any, anyone else that you think really just has stood out as being too good for this level? Uh, let me like run down. Kyle. We talked quickly. Talk Tobin. Uh, Tobin, geez, Obi Toppin. I wouldn't say too good, but I'd say it looks good enough as Sadiq Bay, the the craft he yeah. kind of gets a shot off. I, I thought he looked more physically mature and, and seasoned. The, those are the guys that like. There, there's been decent numbers, like Tyrell Terry put up 22 points, but I'd say similar argument. He needs it. You know, Tyrese Maxey was really yeah. good. He had 21 points. He, he probably needs it. Uh, Killian Tilly was good, but he needs it. Jordan Wara was an interesting one. Just as as a note, he he had thirty ball. He, he took Jor- Jordan's shots. chucking right now. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, he was fourteen for twenty eight, but he did have thirty. Just don't bury the headline too much. Did Did you uh, see uh, today as well? I did not see today. What was today? Another twenty two on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jordan. Uh, Jordan's chucking. Interesting. Out that's, there. That's, that's, he, he's a shooter and shooter shoot and he's living up to that reputation oh boy um yeah I, I think that we've hit everyone that we need to hit at this point uh okay the final category is surprises i'm glad you brought up tyrell terry because to me tyrell terry like fits the surprise category maybe a little bit more than the um this guy's too good for summer league category mm. uh Tyrell Terry looked really, really good, I thought, in that first game for Dallas. He was like, he and Eugene Omarugi uh, were really the only two that I thought like looked even remotely close. Yeah, I only saw highlights of that game, so I'm not going to go like a fake recap, but in the, the stuff I saw, he, he did kind of look, he looked bigger, physically stronger, definitely from yep. the last year and, and coming off screens and, and pulling up with more confidence. Yeah, totally. Uh, and meanwhile, Tyrell Terry also, uh, sh- shout out Tyrell Terry, just like creating controversy, uh, you know, taking this <laughs> oh, back that he committing to Stanford was the best decision he'd ever made. Uh, what a weird time to do that. Did we miss something? Did Stanford like not put his like mural on the wall or something? Like where, the, where is this coming from? Was there any follow up? I saw the initial tweet that uh, a friend who shall not be named sent, but like, what does that even mean? I don't know. I I, I don't know. Okay. Shout out, shout out, Tyrell Terry. Tyrell Terry is like a great kid too. Like awesome, awesome kid. Uh, so for Stanford to have wronged him in this way, I, I feel, uh, I feel, I feel personally affronted on Tyrell's behalf. Mm, well, Stanford now has Zaire Williams falling out and has Harrison Ingram coming in. So Stanford has it figured out too. We got to give them a little bit of credit. They evaluate properly they do they do a great job evaluating um yeah. the stanford staff it's weird like I, I we know both of us know people on the stanford staff and um we like people on the stanford staff for sure and uh you know i i don't know how much you've gotten to know tyrell because he played on the adidas circuit but i've yeah, talked to him much. a few times and thought he's a really great dude like really nice kid um so yeah it's a weird weird one there with the stanford thing with tyrell yeah, internet can make people crazy. Maybe he's out in Vegas just bored trying to stir some stuff up. 
it's probably true. Uh, okay. Uh, other pleasant surprises. I'll give you uh, the floor on one. I, I'm going to go similar similar draft class and similar positionally. I'm going to go with Trey Jones from San yeah. Antonio. 29 minutes. He had 23 points, four rebounds, three assists. And sometimes the Spurs guys just take time. And I, I love the fit on draft night and, and knew it wouldn't be an overnight transition. He looked at home out there. He was scoring. He was finding shooters when he beat the first guy and help came. He showed a lot of toughness out of pick and roll, playing through bumps. And when he did get downhill into lane, he was he was the first to kind of strike strike this man. Like he'd hit the guy, then then pull through, hit some open threes. Uh, I like the trajectory he's on for for next season. Yeah, no, I uh, I agree. He he looks like he could be their backup point guard next season. And with some of the discussions that you see about. Uh, like they may still be looking to trade one of their guards, one of their younger guards that are just about to kick into these deals or um, DeJounte Murray, who's now on a four year, $64 million deal. Wouldn't surprise me if they make a move and open up some minutes for Trey Jones. Uh, I don't know that opening up minutes for Trey Jones is their goal, but I do think that it wouldn't surprise me if Trey Jones gets more minutes next year for sure. Yeah, selfishly, I was happy too because I I rated him a little bit higher than consensus. I think it was about the twenties for last year's draft, and being yeah. able to do some of this on the NBA level, it it makes some of the evaluation authentic and actually work. I guess. Yeah, no, I had Trey Jones is a top twenty guy last year. I'm a I'm a fan of Trey Jones. I, I think Trey Jones is good, so um, I'm glad to see him do well. A guy that I wanted to bring up, Omir Yurtsevin. Um, I'm surprised by this i i did not expect omir yurtsevin to earn his way into a guaranteed contract and he has by the way like miami is giving him a full year guaranteed i am uh yeah i, I was pretty blown away by his uh by his play so far oh another one who like when he went to nc state he was a huge recruit like huge like program changing recruit he was fine then he goes to georgetown and then he spent last year in the g league i think it's with oklahoma city blue and uh, again fine and then he had like 25 and 15 in back-to-back games he, he didn't do anything this last one i think i think he was just okay i don't have the fourth quarter i think i watched through about three quarters uh, were oh he was he was pretty again uh in that memphis game you mean okay yeah, yes. no, he, yes. yeah. he had 23 and 11 again today. Yeah, so, he was really good. Wow. Okay. Well, maybe he's piecing the whole thing together. I, I was just surprised coming off the season he had last year in the G League, where I, I believe it was like 15 and 9, which is great, like like good numbers. But his deal was two years guaranteed. Is that right? Uh, I think it might be one. I think he and Shrews okay. got the one, same deal. It's a two-year deal with well. one guaranteed. One one's not as bad, but he he looks almost like a different player. Like he he looks like the prospect he was when he was hyped up to go to NC State. Yeah, no, I mean he was one of the best players in Europe. It was like um, a very similar situation to Santi Aldama, who won the uh, what the what was it the U nineteen U eighteen yeah twenty MVP U eighteen MVP I think yeah 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 twenty nineteen U eighteen U MVP yeah there you go Wait, um, eights or nines are mixed up. Yeah, similar level prospect to that, where he was one of the best players in Europe coming over, decided to go the college route with NC State, got caught up in the uh, disaster zone that was NC State, unfortunately, under Mark Gottfried. Um, 
kind of declared for the draft, decided to return to NC State to play for Kevin Keats. Kind of works, but wasn't really what he was looking for. Went to play for Patrick Ewing at Georgetown. Georgetown. Mm-hmm. Was very productive, was but was abhorrent defensively. Like fine. Was, fine. Fine for that league. For Fine for what they needed him to be as a 12th year senior or whatever he was. Fine. He was terrible defensively. Like the, he was right, but but it wasn't. He you still saw pieces of why he was so esteemed. Oh, totally, as a prospect. yeah. Oh, so skilled, like great hands, particularly. Um, really good touch, great footwork. You could absolutely see the signs there, but. I mean, he, he even looks a little bit better defensively. He looks a little bit more confident. I still have questions about how that's going to look at the next level. But, yeah, like th- it's it's a valid signing for Miami to take a shot on him, I think. Um, yeah, as a backup with one year. Why not? Yeah, I actually quite like the signing, if we're being honest. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense to take a flyer on Yurtsevin and just see where it goes. Yeah. Uh, you know, like like you said, like he had a good year with the Oklahoma City Blue in the G League bubble. He shot sixty three percent from the field. Um, you know, averaged fifteen point two and nine point three points per game. But this, he looks like a bit of a different player uh, this year, just in terms of confidence, in terms of skill level. Um, he he is the best big man right now in the in the uh, Las Vegas Summer League in terms of offensive ability other than maybe Shangun. Oh, I was waiting for the, the Shangun hanger there. I, I mean, he he's ahead of, like, right now he's ahead of Evan Mobley offensively, I think. Yeah, Evan Mobley's played two professional games, kind of, like, too light. This guy has played in, in the G League for a year. He's He's been through the rigors a little bit more. Well, and, and he's 250 pounds. Evan Mobley's still trying to, like, figure out how his feet work underneath him. And, like, totally. Uh, I, I think the KJ Martin block was, like, a shock to his system. Like, whoa, boy, like I, I, I got to do this differently. Right. And, and, like, I'm not, like, I don't mean that negatively about no, no. Uh, Evan Mobley. Like, it, it's just going to take time for him to get stronger and everything. Like, Yurtsevin is almost 24 years old and is, like, ready to go. You know what I mean? Yes. So, big difference. Yeah. It's just a huge difference in terms of experience level and confidence and everything like that. Um, yeah. No, he's been exceptional. Uh, I am very impressed with what I've seen from him so far. Yeah. We'll have to see where it goes. All right. A uh, couple other pleasant surprises from you. Uh, I have a pleasant surprise, just just kind of rookie-ish. Not necessarily a surprise for maybe you or I, but maybe for the general public, is Jeremiah Robinson Earl was a go-to for me because we, we put him a little bit higher than, than most. I did anyway. The time the draft rolled around, he didn't have a great combine. He, he's not like a, a great testing guy. He's just a very, very solid basketball player. He doesn't hurt yep. you. The first game, he went 6 for 12 from the field. He moves the ball, can get you a bucket when needed. The jumper looked better. He looked like he belonged out there. Whereas sometimes guys that are picked in that range, and we've talked about, it, there's just an adjustment period for him. Like the the Thunder like moves some some picks to to go up and get him, and and now kind of like oh that, that makes sense, I guess. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you on him. Um, okay, next up for me is going to be an undrafted guy that I really like. I'm going to stick with the Heat, uh, Marcus Garrett. I think has been oh, pretty good. You can't quit Marcus Garrett. I can't quit Marcus Garrett. I was higher on Marcus Garrett <laughs> than everyone else pre-draft. Uh, yes. He looks really good defensively. He looks really good in terms of just like doing every single little thing that Miami is asking of him. 
and I yeah he's he's he looks every bit of like a potential like eighth man in the NBA who comes in defensively and hopefully uh, can improve as a three point shooter down the road. He hit a he hit a big three down the stretch here. It, it's always going to be the shooting, the the defense and get him on the floor. The offense and keep him there. Eight is probably a a little bit uh, above my my range for him right now. I, I see why you you would value him, but hey, maybe a few more games he can get close to that spot if he's able to score too. Yeah, no, I mean he's going to have to continue to develop as a scorer. Having said that, like today's game, he had thirteen points and eight rebounds and like generally wreaked havoc on defense like he he looks like everything that is a miami heat basketball player right yes for sure in in terms of at least what they look for in terms of like their system and getting guys in like he he should be on a two-way deal for them i think well, we've also rattled off like three guys we really like. So their their roster management and creation it gets a, a thumbs up from us too. Well, here, here's the thing too. Um, for and this comes from me like having had conversations with agents about Miami. Like everyone tries to get their guys in Miami because they really trust the developmental system there. Um, it's not an accident that all of Marcus Garrett, Dejan Giroux, RJ Nemhard, DJ Stewart, uh, Micah Potter, I guess, to an extent, although I don't love Micah Potter, Javante Smart, and Drew Smith. That's seven guys that went undrafted this year, all of whom, except for Potter, were on my top 100, um, ended up in Miami. It's because Miami is coveted by agents due to their track record developmentally. Yeah, it's it's not a, a bad vacation to pop into on the road during the season when it gets cold in the Northeast. Well, the uh, the, the, the problem with that, though, is uh, you, you know where Miami's G League team is? I don't. Where is it? It is in good old Sioux Falls. Oh, that's right. Well, <laughs> that's what, that's when you said not the age, not the primary, send the secondary. Like, yeah, he's gonna go check you out. Good dinner. The Make Super Bowl sure right. Sky Force. <laughs> I'm gonna meet. I'm gonna meet you at uh at Live down in Miami. I'm, I won't be at Sioux Falls. You got once you make the big roster, we'll send down the big guns. <laughs> Sorry, we are not going to Sioux Falls. The uh, we are good not. old good old South Dakota. Oh boy. <laughs> Um, sorry, Seth. I got, I, I got, I got one more. Yeah, we yeah, love yeah, South yeah. Dakota. I, I got one more as I was scrolling through the second round. Well, actually, a couple, just a couple rapid fire. Sandro, yeah. Mama Keela should be at least been good. Uh, Aaron Wiggins, I think it's been pretty good. Jericho Sims should not have been drafted 58th. And now, can we officially say Yo. that that was craziness? Yeah, that was nuts. Yeah, he was a top I mean, 50 guy for sure. He, 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 he's been Jericho Sims, rebounding, running the floor, tearing the rim off on lobs, showing he has a floater, uh, apparently. And, it's just a, it fits what the Knicks were doing. He's an energy big that fills in with scoring guards and wings around him where he doesn't have to do anything. He can just be the, the garbage man, the get up and down, block some shots, dunk, and that's what you want in the backup big. Yeah, he's a top 50 guy. Uh, I just don't. I don't know. Like, I, I don't I don't get why. Um, why. Why he went 58th or wherever he went, like, go undrafted. Like, let's find your spot. I guess maybe, like, the Knicks were his spot, right? But I don't know. Um, my last guy was Caleb Holmesley out of Washington. I uh, went to Liberty. Uh, is a guy that, like, really struggled with injuries uh, throughout his high school and I think early career at Liberty. Emerged into, like, the Atlantic Sun Player of the Year. And Washington signed him, like, relatively late last year. He looks pretty good like he looks like he might be an actual nba player at this point he's gonna have to keep 
shooting it at a pretty reasonable clip, but he's comfortable. He cuts off the ball. Like he looks pretty good on defense. Definitely not more than like an eighth or ninth man as a wing, but looks like he could hit that level realistically. Right. I saw the positive pub. They played after the late game last night, so I have not watched that game just to be completely transparent there, but Mm -hmm. have followed along and it seems consistent with what other kind of analyst evaluators are saying about the way he's played out there. The numbers are good. I mean, he's obviously scored and and not not missed a ton, and you want that for somebody that's going to come off the bench. Okay. Uh, do you have any other – you have no more guys that uh, – I mean, I have plenty of guys. Uh, I, we don't have to yeah. get crazy, but you know, Chris Duarte, I think, has been really good. Just uh, I, yeah. I know he's 24, so he should be good, but just feasting on younger guys. We can't go a podcast without really mentioning Josh Primo. I was encouraged with Salt Lake City. Um, there's flashes. He's got a chance. Primo! It's going to take some time. Uh, Trey Murphy is awesome, I guess. 26 points, 9 rebounds, 6 or 9 for 3. Uh, I felt like he was just unlocked, unleashed from the slower system he played in, and now he's been activated to explore the offensive game. Jalen Johnson's been okay. Uh, Bones Highland has been good. Cam Thomas has scored it. Overall, my my takeaway is that I know it's the summer league. We shouldn't get too wild with our analysis, but the draft looks pretty good. It looks like a pretty good crop of talent. No, I agree with you. I think this draft looks really, really good. Uh, there, there's no other way to put it. This draft looks really strong. Okay, Penny. Now that the season's over, have you uh, have you jumped back into the movie scene? I actually have uh, some movies, some TV, a little balance. I started White Lotus. On I still haven't HBO started it Max. Yeah, two episodes into that. It's interesting. I'm trying to see where we're going there. the The big one was I, I watched Val about Val Kilmer. The kind of autobiography that that he did and he the, the backstory is val kilmer has like had throat cancer and and now he, yeah. he talks through like a, a voice box and it was i didn't know that so i was kind of taken aback because the preview i watched he filmed everything for his life so he's got like 30 years of just like video cameras he like one of the first video cameras i guess so here's in the back with sean penn and, and kevin bacon and, and now it's this really sad but but encouraging journey about how he's going to these events and just like signing top gun posters and going to like tombstone conventions and still trying to to make a living despite not being the person he was but still trying to fulfill his life and and be a a dad to his kids so a tough watch but it was it was really well done yeah i told you i was gonna watch that yesterday and i just didn't um (laughs) i'm gonna watch it today i think and just be very sad it feels like um saddish because you, you see it and you see what how much of a star he was and, and how much people respected him, but he was also kind of like to his own devices and method acting a little bit and just out there. And he's, he's reflecting on the whole thing as he looks back at all these videos he's made. Yeah. Um, I think I've watched like 10 movies since last Oh my week. God. 10 movies. I like make it almost like a homework assignment now to watch one or two in case you call me for the bullpen to do a pod. But 10 is like outrageous. Yeah. I think I've watched like 10. Um, so I watched Black Widow finally, which was great. Um, okay. we're, we are the foremost Florence Pugh uh, podcasts, <laughs> by the way, Penny. Just letting you know that ahead of definitely time. Definitely for the draft, yes. Yeah, definitely. for Among draft podcasts, we're 100% the foremost Florence Pugh fan base. Uh, <laughs> yes. No question. Uh, I watched a classic horror story, which is on Netflix, if you've seen that. I haven't. I, I've scrolled through a, a bunch of stuff on Netflix, but I don't think I've seen that. 
Yeah, it's like an Italian movie. It didn't really work for me. Uh, it's like an Italian horror movie, obviously. Um, Suicide Squad, the new Suicide Squad movie. John Cena doing interviews, like wearing the, the costume is a choice. How was that? How was round it two rules. of Suicide Squad? Did, it's so did good. Suicide, did Suicide Squad 1 rule for you? No, it didn't. I didn't okay. think it was great. I was, um, I was I was so excited for part one. I started like opening night, like IMAX with my buddies, and we looked at each other at the end, like I can't believe we did this. <laughs> I can't believe we went opening night, like waited in line to see Suicide Squad. This one is really good. This one is like legitimately really good. Um, just so funny and so dumb, and all of the right jokes. It's what you wanted the first Suicide Squad movie to actually be. Okay. Well, look, the Suicide Squad one cast like had me. He had me in there, but like, yeah. the Joker thing was weird, and Will Smith was fine, and Margot Robbie I, I liked, but I, I, it was like missing some connective tissue between characters and script. Okay, uh, the next one is the Boy Behind the Door, which is a okay. horror movie on Shutter that <laughs> okay. just came out this year. Uh, surprisingly good for what had to be like the lowest budget like movie i've seen this year have you seen did you ever watch true blood of course i love true blood merlot's merlot yeah uh yeah sookie stackhouse that that was uh, a that was your shit apparently. years and years ago oh yeah i was in on that all on that so it do you remember off the cliff but you, you can't pull back you can't like you're, you're four seasons in like oh, i gotta stay now couldn't jump ship i jumped shipped after like four or five i'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> but um the woman who played do you remember eric's friend uh the vampire woman what the fuck was her name i don't remember uh what 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 the the older one with the blonde hair yes yeah yes i can see her yeah. face yeah so she's the main uh she's one of the main people in this and it's really good she's really good in it um i saw pig with nicholas cage oh my gosh i scrolled by that and i paused on it for a second i said no way it's so good oh why why is it so good so it's not like a it's not it's a drama like it is not a so the the whole premise is that people come and steal his pig that he uses to hunt truffle mushrooms Mm -hmm. and then he goes and tries to find the pig i kind of went in assuming it was going to be like Nicholas Cage's John Wick, except going to find a pig. Uh, <laughs> National treasure for a truffle pig. So it's 100% not that. It's like a drama. It is like devastating in the right ways and like thoughtful in the right ways. Um, the second half of the movie is like unbelievable. Um, it, it's like this like grief stuff. It's, it's really good. It's really, really good. Um, is this going to start the Nicolas Cage, like, McConaughey, like the Matthew McConaughey thing when he made Mud and Dallas Buyers Club? And it's, you kind of reassessed and said, wow, like, Matthew McConaughey is actually really good consistently. Or is I, it I just, will like, a dip in the toe? It's one of the best performances I've seen from an actor this year. Like, I, I, look, there are going to be a crazy number of movies that come out starting in, like, October uh, because a lot of things got held back this year mm-hmm. or from 2020 right so right. i i don't think he's gonna get nominated for an oscar for it he would not look out of place being nominated for an oscar for this movie maybe i'll have to circle back it, it's it's unfortunate because i do like a lot of nicholas cage stuff but sometimes you, you see the title and just the pictures like him in like this copper background with like weird long hair and it, I, I didn't even really give it a chance i'll, I'll be truthful to that yeah um it has 97 percent on rotten tomatoes right now wow 
Yeah. Like, it, it's, it's really... That's generally, generally a good barometer, because when you're going over it and it says, like, 42%, you, you have to make a choice. If I'm going to do this for two hours and, and know that whatever, like, 58% of people hated this thing. Yeah, it, it's at, like, 4. It's, like, 4.0 right now on Letterboxd, which, like, if you uh, if you know the Letterboxd scene, uh, th- those people can be a bit vicious uh, in terms <laughs> of things. So to get a 4 out of 5 is, like, very strong. It's huge. Um, I watched Blowout, which is a Brian De Palma movie. Just the last 20 minutes of that movie are perfect in every way. Um, have you seen Chaos Walking? Like the poster for that with Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley? I'll, I'll look it up now with my phone in my hands, but I don't think I have. It, it's the worst movie I've seen this year. Don't watch it. Um, <laughs> really set me up chaos um i'm looking at i I have not seen that no yeah it it features what i think are the most animal murders i've seen in any movie in a decade wow and the budget was a hundred million dollars oh it's wild like a total it's a failure across the board like no idea how this happened Uh, the movie i was texting you about though was the unholy this this is a this is a bad one it features the carrie elwes who is um robin hood men in tights and the guy in saw right like yep very much from london uh carrie ellis <laughs> he's doing a boston accent is a priest in this movie can't do that can't do it's it. one of like honestly there's a scene where like he literally turns and bows to the camera and like starts talking in a Boston accent, like as a soliloquy. It's th- the funniest thing I've seen in a movie this year. The Boston accent is you have it or you don't. It, it's not something you can act. It's not something that you can fake. And like I, I don't really have one. So if you pluck me in somewhere, no one's going to say you're from Boston. A lot of my right. family does. But even like watching, like when you watch Boston movies, and when like Jack Nicholson in The Departed does like the Boston accent. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up Nicholson in The Departed because that's what I was going to say. Don't don't do this. Don't do it because because Jack Nicholson's awesome. But like he, he didn't need that. But he's kind of this like weirdo, whitey bulgerish type character. Like whatever, I get it. And what people don't really recognize either is like when Ben Affleck in Good Will Hunting says, "My boy's wicked smart." He's making a joke to like ham that up. And that's not really like right. how he would talk. Or you'd hear out at a bar. So when, when guys go, guys and girls go completely over the top in movies, it's just like cringy for me. Yeah, it's it's tough. Like, what have you seen a good Boston accent in a movie? Yeah, like Mark Wahlberg, who grew up here. Like, I, I hope you get it right. Like, like Matt Damon, like you grew up. Him and Ben Affleck grew up down the street. Like when, when they're actually there and they they've been around it. There's no way to. I'm trying to think of like another one because because once in a while people have it. Say, like, okay, that that that's not too bad. That that's close. Like DiCaprio's more, in the Departed more, more, is not a disaster. Not bad. That that yeah. that's actually a good call. That's not bad. You more spot the bad ones than the good ones if if that works. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Like, I, I feel like. I laugh at the bad ones and I don't call out the good ones, which like is culture now. Right. But like <laughs> I, I didn't want, I didn't want to laugh at Nicholson. Cause like I, I was really into it. I was really, I really liked it. Then he started talking sometimes. I was like, next yeah, line, this line, is a choice. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to, trying to think if there are any other, like Alec Baldwin's in the departed is like off the rails. Yeah, it, it's off the rails, but kind of like the weird uncle off the rails where you could like kind of see it. 
Like yeah. the the scene where he's like trying to find the rat is in the office and he's like yelling. It's like ah, I've kind of seen that once in a while, but it, it's all it's all just like turned up to a twelve. That, that's that's the problem. It's just and, it's so so crazy. And speaking of the Departed, so Ray Winstone, who's the guy who plays Frenchie in the Departed, right? Yes. Um. By the way, like pretty good Boston accent. I think like he comes off as like being pretty genuine. I think with the Boston accent in that movie. Uh, it maybe goes a little bit too British at times, but it's fine for the most part. He is like from London and like, you know, similar deal with Carrie Elwes. He's the main bad guy in Black Widow and they have him doing a Russian accent. The, <laughs> okay. The crossover between British and Russian accent did, did not go well and it's like Ray Winstone has like a very heavy like English or, or like Irish like it borders on like Irish it feels like a lot of the time and it he, he uh he, he could not get the he could not get the Russian accent down in Black Widow and it was a choice and it was a gift that kept on giving <laughs> as you watched Black Widow oh I I, I do like I, I have no shot at acting ever or doing uh, any accents, but it, I am always taken aback when it, the movie ends or, or the, the TV series ends and like Dominic West, who's who's McNulty on the wire, he's McNulty, oh, right? yeah, he's yeah, Baltimore, yeah. he's Baltimore cop, and then he he doesn't speak. He's like British, he's like oh my gosh, didn't didn't know that was coming out of there. So I I admire people who who figure it out, and we can't well, the best is talking about about Mayor, right? Mayor of Easttown, Kate yeah, Winslet yeah, felt yeah. authentic. That felt like that was part of that scene. That's but like, her, her national tone. The the best one is Idris Elba from The Wire, right? Like oh, Idris Elba yeah. is very British, yeah. and he is not British in the <laughs> yeah. slash wire. Charles Minor on The Office, both of them. Yeah, like he is he is a very good American accent. Uh, yes. Idris Elba, incredible. Okay, uh, that's all I've got. That's, that's what I've seen so far this week, it's, and I'm going to uh, be quite, quite, quite the haul. Here's here's the thing, Penny. I'm in like we're stuck right now. We're in lockdown. We can't leave the house really. So what else am I going to do? I can't watch eight summer league games a day. Like I just can't. I've do tried. It. I've tried. And there's two on at the same time. I've tried to kind of go back and forth. And one's game's ending. Then it's like better prospects than the other. And it's do I watch the end of this one or do I hop into the beginning? And then another one starts up, and you're trying to squeeze it in. Uh, I get it. I, I'm still going to watch summer league despite this being the, the pod on it, but not as intensely because I I just can't do it. I I, I can't deal with the uh, the storylines changing by every possession. Yeah, I just don't want to do it. Like it, it's not it's not good for me. Like I'm well, I, well I Malachi Flynn just hit a three in the background, so I think that gives us kind of some validation that we're doing the right thing here. We've we've got some cover. Okay, uh, Penny, tell the people where they can find you on the internet. Find me on Twitter. I'm hiding on the internet. Matt underscore Penny. Give me a follow. Give me a like. Uh, well, yeah, well, hopefully we'll be back here soon. 2022 draft starts momentarily. <laughs> the clock doesn't stop here. We're just on to more basketball. We need Matt Penny right now is at 1,800 Twitter followers. We need to get that up to 2,000, guys. Come on. We got to. Yeah, we'll, ju- we'll just start buying some fake ones and you'll look in there and be like, why? Why it's just like these weird number letter combinations suddenly following you. This man was in a video game. Matt Penny. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was, dude, it was awesome too because, like, we were so excited when we got it because I can't, like, I can pass, I can't move on defense, but I can shoot. So I was so excited because I said, all right, it's my third year. We're going to be in a video game. We get it. We fire up the PlayStation 2. I'm like the worst player in the game. Like, could not be worse. 
I think they, I, I wore high socks. I think they had the high socks. And then in the game, as a shooter, I stunk. It, it broke me because crappy <laughs> shooters in those old games, they don't, like, follow through. They just kind of, like, flick their hands, like, put their arms down. And I, I had that shot. It, it couldn't have gone worse. So I, I did what everyone naturally would do. Made the creative player and cranked myself up to 99 and averaged about 40 points a game. That was that was the only way I could make myself feel better. It'd be amazing if you like just adjusted the roster and like just changed the shooting a little bit to where you were like a seventy percent, like a seventy out of a hundred on shooting. As opposed it, it, it to was, like, uh, it, I think it was actually two games because I walked on the, the the next two years and I think like accidentally. There's 360 Division One teams. People are gonna make mistakes, especially video game programmers. I think I accidentally was like starting in one of them. We turned it on to like this is this is the best, and then yeah, we, we were awful. And then it was a disaster. Oh, it God. was a disaster. Correct. Uh, Matt Penny is in a video game. This man <laughs> needs to have over 2,000 followers by the next time we podcast. Go follow Matt Penny on Twitter for the love of God. Uh, this has been the Game Theory Podcast. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe, do everything you can to support the show. So I am going, I'm taking vacation uh, this summer. It's happening, right? Uh, my vacation starts on August 23rd. I am going to try and record like six podcasts or so to put out over the course of like next week, the week after that, the week after that on teams off seasons because my friends should be back from summer league. Uh, I should have the ability to record. Um we should be able to do some NBA offseason stuff then. Mike, that's my current plan. I, I can't promise anything right now. That's currently <laughs> what I'm thinking. Don't hold me to it. Do not hold me to it. That's correct. Um, but right now, that's w- what the plan is. Uh, I will still have podcasts for you even while I'm on vacation. I will not be responding to the internet. I will not be, uh, I will literally just be posting the podcast and dropping the bombs on my Twitter feed and that is it. But I will be around next week and I, you know, maybe Penny and I'll do like a recap of Summer League. I don't know, we'll see. But until next time, we will talk soon. Bye.